This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super J Cast presented by MyBookie. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonalds. How are you Damon, you okay? I'm sleepy! <laughs> oh. uh, I'm good, aside from that. But yeah, I, I have trouble sleeping and I take stuff to sleep and uh, my dumb doctor didn't fill the script and now I'm, I'm tired. But I'm full of energy for you. You in your car going to work, you uh, with your earbuds on. I see you. I see you. You're excited for G1, and so are we. And that's what we're here for you to talk about. Don't worry about me sleeping. Don't worry about my my health. It's all about you and your enjoyment. <laughs> how am I turning it? How am I turning this negative? Uh, no, uh, it's about. Talking about G1 because it has been a good couple of nights. Uh, great couple of nights, as a matter of fact. So I'm excited. Just a little sleepy. So I'm going to give you all my energy. All of it. Well, before we go on to the G1, we need to start with a terrible news that before your great leader. What's that? What is he? What is, he, what is, he, uh, is there another debate? <laughs> Have see- you not heard? Dude, I, when I tell you that I woke up and it was 5.58... When I finally fucking fell asleep and I right. rolled out of bed I, I and I put, I literally am sitting in the nude uh, and a shirt on. That's that's what we're doing right now for G1. What What's right, going well, on? D- Donald Trump says he, him and his wife have got COVID. Oh, no, really? I, 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 really? I glad. That's terrible. I shouldn't laugh. But uh, yeah, wow. Okay. Um, well, a guy who says it's no big deal. Well, all right. Let's, let's see how he makes. Let's see how he makes out. Let's see how he does. Wish you the best. <laughs> oh. I, I was that was supposed to be a bit because I'd assume you'd already heard the news, but no. <laughs> I realized you didn't actually know. I thought I'd better inform you. So there you go. I'm we'll sorry if I've now. ruined your day even further. I know how much you love the guy. So ah, you know me, <laughs> just such a huge. Uh, we'll do the let's do the bit then. Let's rewind and then let's do the bit. All right, Damon. We need to start with the terrible news that befell your great leader. Harold May has left the building. Oh. Yeah, that was the bit, yeah? You like that? Funny? Bravo. Bravo throwing roses. <laughs> Take a bow, Joel. Come on. Encore. Do an air guitar now. We're doing this for free. Can you imagine that, Damon? We must be mental. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, have that Harold. Um, oh, there goes all our scoops and news. <laughs> that was our source, everyone. I, I don't know. You, you went there, actually. I, uh, I can't remember when it was exactly, but it might have been either Wrestle Kingdom 13 or 14. I think it was 13, actually, when I went into the Tokyo Dome and he was there. Harold May was there handing out stickers or whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. And then I just went and said hello to him. I was like, oh, hi, I've got a, a podcast, Super J cast. And he said, oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. Really? Because I was... <laughs> when I went to It's the a podcast, po- mate. You listen to it. You don't watch it. <laughs> he's... He, um... I yeah, went. No idea. I went to. Uh, then he might. Know, he might know who we are now. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, or fortunately. Um, 
I, when I went to the Liger retirement, he was doing the same thing. And I had a couple of pops in me, you know, a uh, strong zero or two. And then uh, they had Zima there. They had a big Zima stand there. So, of course, we had to get try all the flavors, Joel. So um, uh, he's in the lobby doing the same thing. And the line was pretty long to beat him. But everybody was egging me on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm getting the fucking line. Sure, I'll beat him. And I got, I just got tired of waiting, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and I bailed out. So I, we avoided a major problem. <laughs> um, it wouldn't have been a major problem. It would have been nice and friendly. But um, it could have been worse. Though. I mean, John Carroll threw a bottle at his head when uh, they went to Dominion last year. So. What? Really? Not on purpose. Oh. I, I, I don't want to steal the story from John. You can go and listen to Wrestling with Mackers. I'm yeah. sure John will talk about it then, but it, it is a very funny story. So, little plug for Wrestling with Mackers there. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, just nice There, there yeah, we nice go. Tease. I mean, big news about Harold, new dad Harold. Uh, I, know, I know this is something that Joe and Rich from the flagship, they mentioned this as a possibility almost a year ago. But this doesn't seem to me like... Uh, a mutually agreed upon um, amicable parting of the ways that, that's been in the works long term but to me and it's just the way I say it, it looks and smells like he's been forced out and I'm just basing this on little tidbits like uh, the fact that he lost his Bushiroad stock options uh, the fact that this has happened less than three years into his tenure and the caveat there being that executives normally get their long-term incentives after three years so the fact that he's gone before May or June 2021 makes me think that it was intentional uh, even, even the goodbye message on Harold's blog raises some eyebrows just by virtue of what he doesn't say rather than what he does say like he talks about the wonderful relationship he had with Tsubayashi but he doesn't mention Kidani at all which you know, makes me wonder if there might have been some bad blood there just when you put all those pieces together, there was some discussion about this on Wrestling Observer Radio. I agree with some of the points there because, I mean, Damien, you are aware now that having watched a uh, hit TV show, Hanzawa Naoki, I'm now an expert on Japanese office politics. So yes, yes. For those of you who haven't seen it, Hanzawa Naoki, he's a guy who, he's effective, he gets results, but he rubs people the wrong way because he's got a big ego and he draws a lot of attention to himself which is a big no-no in that environment. And spoiler alert, if you want to watch it, skip forward 30 seconds. He's ultimately given the boot at the end of season one because of those issues. And I wonder if similar issues could be at play here because I'm quoting the article that paraphrases The Observer, which says, during his time there, May was said to have brought in great mainstream publicity for the company, but some felt the focus was too much on him rather than the company itself. May also had his own fan club in Japan, which rubbed some people the wrong way. Now, I check, he doesn't actually have his own fan club, but he did do a lot of promotion, a lot of TV programs, a lot of interviews. He wrote a book, and it seems... Like a lot of the focus for that promotional stuff was like the, the foreign CEO who speaks Japanese fluently rather than the focus being on New Japan Pro Wrestling itself. So I'm guessing that was a big issue. And there's other factors as well. It, it talks about losing Kenny Omega. I think that's a factor too. I mean, we might poke fun at him from time to time. There's no denying he's a star. Mentions the lack of an AEW relationship. I don't think that played a part at all. So don't get your hopes off of that being put on the table because I think... That is a, a company decision, not a Harold decision. So Harold's gone. We got Takami Obari coming in, who's the current CEO of New Japan of America. He's going to take his place. No surprises there. 
he seemed like he was the guy who's been groomed as a replacement anyway because he's a younger guy he's got really impressed with CV fluent in English I don't expect too much to change maybe some behind the scenes changes but that's about it so what was your feeling on the news of Harold May's departure yeah I I mean again it it has we've all heard the rumblings um and again and I, I know Joe and Rich brought those to light um I, uh, it does seem like a little bit more of a of a sandpaper exit, as opposed to, um, you know, I'm moving on to bigger and better things kind of <laughs> um, situation. Um, I know that, and we've heard in the past about how people perceived, um, the spotlight, as you called it. Um, being shined very heavily on Harold as opposed to New Japan. Now, I don't think anyone, at least that I've spoken with, here in the States or outside of Japan, ever really made a big hoot about it, right? Like, we, to us, it really it was... At best, it was, you know, okay, shoulder shrug. He's a company. We see it all the time. Uh, you know, the head of a company. We see it all the time. Um, but again, not knowing the inner workings of Japanese office politics. And I've seen both the British and American version of the office. So I kind of feel like I might be an expert too, Joel. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know. Well, okay, no, I'm going to stop you there. Which one's better? And there's the only British, one correct answer British. here. The British. Yeah. His opinion, so... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no, um, the idea of AEW or the lack of a relationship playing a factor, I don't think, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think that's really, I think, um, and I don't even think Western expansion is that much of a problem or much of a f- factor. I-, I will say this. What we ha- I I can tell you that we we've heard from more than one person that there was an interpolitics issue between him and Kadani. Again, we can't confirm that. I mean we've never spoken to them, obviously, but uh we've heard from more than one person on more than one occasion. So there, there might be some truth to that. So all the, all that, um, it does seem you know the stock option thing was one of the things that I that was shared with me that was a little bit of a head scratcher and an eyebrow raiser. Like, oh, okay, um, I don't think this impact. I, I will say this as well, and 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 Joel, I think you can confirm. I'm sure there's more than a few people at New Japan Pro Wrestling that are, I don't know if, if happy is the word, but, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're excited for the future. Let's put it that way. Um, and we'll see where it takes us. I don't think it impacts the in-ring product, though. Um, will you, I'm going to mention something. And I'll do it on the air because that's when we usually do all of our backstage talk. 
Um, and I and again, it's early. I'm sleepy, so Joel, you'll need to confirm with me. Didn't someone tell us that he, that Harold wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of the uh, out of the gate push that Jay White got? I can't, I've got no recollection of that. I'm sorry. Okay. All right, then maybe maybe it didn't happen. Um, for for whatever reason, that was one of the first things I thought of. Um, so maybe I shouldn't have even said it. <laughs> so, all right. But I, for some reason, I seem to remember that. Okay, so that never happened. I think so you dreamed that up, Damon. Maybe I dreamed that. Maybe that was a dream I had about 10 months ago. Um, but yeah, okay. So aside from that, I don't really see this being a huge impact on what we see in the ring. End of story. Okay, so we've got a few questions. Earring answers. Do you think Harold is paying the price for not expanding in the US, losing a TV deal and running random towns with shitty cards, etc.? Uh, uh, again, it's, it's probably played a factor. It's play, played a part, but I wouldn't say that was the main reason, no. Yeah, I wouldn't. What do you think about the US stuff, though? Do you think like not having a TV deal in place, not having... Uh, a firmer hold on the U.S. market. Do you think that played any factor? Yes, I'm sure it did. I don't think that was the defining reason, but probably didn't help. Let's put it that way. I would. That's probably the best way to say it. It probably didn't help. Correct. But he did. I mean, he did more than anybody else, right? <laughs> or did? And I don't know how much of it he was responsible for, as right? Well, because. Like I said, Obari was the one who t- took over. Uh, I can't remember when exactly that was. I believe that was sometime last year. So all the, you know, the, the shenanigans that went on with the New Beginning USA tour with all the visas and stuff, that wasn't, I don't think that was Harold's fault. I don't think that was Obari's fault either. I, the, whoever was in charge of it before, I don't know. But I wouldn't lay the blame for that at the door of either of those men. Yeah, yeah. It's It's... Again, I think I know. I know people the, when the, when the news first broke, Joel. That um, I'm sure a lot of people were f- were focused on AEW aspect, especially in the West, uh, West here, in the, in the states. I'm sure a lot of people were were just you know thinking that the forbidden door, I believe, is what you called it, uh, would be opened. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I, I and and I don't think that relationship not happening. Was the was a was a big factor in this as well, um, yeah. That, that's 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 what that's some opinion, but some of what we've we have heard. Yes. So there you go. I a question from Jonathan. Also, a similar question from Manabu, who say, "Now that it's time's winding down, what do you think May's legacy is?" That's a great question, actually. Uh, as I said, I, I name me another person who. Um, at least was the figurehead at at a minimum of New Japan, kind of f- forging its way in the United States. However successful that is, he did more than than anyone else. Um, the correct answer, Damon, is that video of him <laughs> taking a shower. <laughs> 
<laughs> sitting in his dressing gown watching New Japan. I yeah. mean, I, I, I joke, but I do wonder if when that video went up, there were people at Bushiroad watching that thinking, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but that was one of the first things, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that was literally our introduction to the guy. Right. Um, <laughs> that and I, I do remember him. And again, I, I thought it was fun and light at heart and for me it wasn't that big of a deal and again I don't know how a uh, Japanese audience felt but I also remember the the tai- remember the Tai Chi thing where he did the, the pants rip off thing yeah <laughs> I, and he was he was ringside at Coracle for one show and Tai Chi went and gave him the middle finger so I do remember that I, he, he was yeah he was front and center for quite a few angles I, I remember there might have been some stuff with the Bullet Club as well when that we had the whole firing squad thing. Yeah. And then that very quickly stopped, didn't it? So, again, you wonder if someone from upstairs had a word and said, no, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> I know everybody online was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? We don't this, we don't want any on-camera role for this guy. Um, I think... I would say... If you're going to grade him, I, I you can't give him an overwhelming success, but I think you can give him a, a middle of the road success. Can't I mean profits? I mean they've made more money than they ever have, um, and it continued to grow. Maybe not at the rate this year, but I think they had a lot of fucking things going against them. I would say success. I would put it as success. I, again, we're not doing cartwheels in the fucking street. But I think success is a fair statement, right? Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I mean Tokyo Dome's continued you know, continued growth. Um, Profits. Profit. Up year on year. Yeah, merchandising. I, I mean, we got... I mean... <laughs> Uh, we got New Japan World. We got, I mean, yeah, subscribers going up, attendances going up. Yeah, it's, yeah, success. Let's give. Let's let's not even hedge it. A success, success. Uh, Bash says with Abari being the final boss, it sounds like a video game. He's going to be yeah. up in his his office with a machine gun. Uh, do you think they will keep the US section separate or merge it into one now? And Mark says, obviously, any overseas shows are on definite hold due to COVID travel restrictions, but does maybe replaced by the former head of New Japan of America bode well for more aggressive foreign plans, more of the same, or roll back on foreign shows and expansion? Uh, my guess would just be more of the same. I, I wouldn't read too much into the fact that Obari was previously head of New Japan of America. I think that he was just seen as the man for this job, not, oh, because of the work that he'd done in the States, if you get me. Right. Um. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in his notebook to fucking, that's a, a goal of his. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we are, I think we're on the same page with that. Um, he was just on excursion there, <laughs> working out his gimmick, and now he's going to come back and ready to be a main event player. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the company loves him. Every Everybody that I talk to, it's nothing but positive things to say. So, um, at least... From from what I gather, everybody's on board, so that that that's a positive, that's for sure. One last question, Daryl says, 
Uh, imagine you're the new president of New Japan. What's your first objective and your first bold move? To me, their biggest focus should be rebuilding the international expansion that has atrophied after the elite left. But the US market is flooded with the wrestling content at the moment. Is there room in the market for New Japan? Could they realistically sell out MSG again? So imagine you're in the hot seat, Damon. What would be your priorities? TV deal in the States. And that would be, if not number one, then 1A. Um it's hard to make any kind of ground and consider yourself a major player in this market if you don't have TV. Um, doesn't mean they're going to make a ton of money on that TV deal, but um, I think that has to be a priority. Um, I think I think that's it. I think that would be number one because I think everything falls in line with uh, New Japan's success here. With a TV deal, Japan wise, I don't know. I feel like they're on a real steady path in Japan. I don't. I don't. That's I don't it. have. Yeah, don't rock the boat, right? Yeah. I. I mean, I'm. I. I think get out of the COVID COVID situation. Um, I don't want to say unscathed, but you know, as as well as the company has navigated those choppy waters. Um. Yeah, and 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 just kind of steer the ship. It's not, we don't have to write any course per se. We just got to get out of choppy waters. But U.S., I would say TV deal. All right, let's and go on a, with the oh, I'm, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm and, sorry. And, and a better podcast, right? We're gonna <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna take over. Maybe some new commentators, huh? Yeah. Ah, no. I, I'm out. No, 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 no way. No way. Bullshit. Uh, okay, grade one climax. Uh, let's talk about the Young Lion matches first, rather than talking about each of them in turn. The overall thoughts. And, I mean, the one that stood out, obviously, was the one we got last night, which was the time limit draw between Gabe Kidd and Yotosuji, which is certainly the first time Gabe Kidd's gone to the time limit draw, I think. And I thought it was really, really impressive. I thought they you know, they kept my attention throughout the whole of that time period, showed a lot of great energy and, and fire and enthusiasm, like, you know, it really meant a lot to them. And I was very impressed. What did you think of it? Yeah. The, I mean, this was a your normal Young Lions match ratcheted up a, a, a few notches uh, with intensity and fire and people caring. And it's it's amazing. What what I find amazing is that everybody will say basically the same thing. Don't skip the Young Lions matches. Young Lions matches, you know, really good. And they are pretty much the same in the sense of you could stick anybody in that role and, and they're going to do fine. Even throughout, you know, the past, what, six, seven years. You know, any, you know these are exactly the same matches as we would see before. Um, and they're basic. And they're not. You're not seeing the the flash and the the character work and the uh, you know the other things that make a pro wrestler great. You're seeing basics, but those basics are so. It's almost like seeing a a band, you know, without all the production tools, and they're just raw and energy and um, basic that it captivates you um, and it wakes you up and it makes you, you, you feel something over some, or over three fucking chords. This is the same way. I'm, 
I, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to look at results and be like, okay, who's ahead of the game here uh, when it comes to wins? But, uh, Joel, dare I say we're all winners when it comes to the Young Lions. <laughs> the real winners are the fans. <laughs> That's right, because they are great. Um, and just the way that the matches are structured, basic things people care about. I mean, for, for the last one we saw um, – like a good five, six minutes was was a headlock. It was, it was centered around a fucking headlock. Yet it was captivating. And and you're I don't want to say you're on the edge of your, your chair, but you're you're into it. Um and it's basic stuff. So that's our young lines dealt with. Let's move on to day six, which was there's uh, Tuesday, September 29th at Korakuen Hall. And our first block match in the B block was Yoshihashi defeating Sanada in 15 minutes, 15 seconds with Karma. Uh, th- I mean, this was absolutely fine. The match was, yeah. you know, nothing nothing to write home about. <laughs> nothing really memorable about it. But I just thought it was a really interesting booking choice to have uh, Yoshihashi win. And my takeaway at the end of that match was I was way more impressed with Yoshihashi than I was with Sanada. Yoshihashi yeah. looked like the like fiery, passionate up and comer who had a you know a future climbing up the cards, and Sanada just looked like a guy. So that was something that stood out to me from this opening match, at least. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I'll go so far as to say Sanada hasn't really, and I probably could say this every year. There, there are moments where Sonata doesn't do anything for me. Uh, this might be in that category as well. Uh, and again, that's not to say this was a bad match. It wasn't. It was there. It was a match. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was this was a Sonata doesn't do anything for Damon Bucket for sure. The next match was Kenta defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 15 minutes 46 with a go to sleep. I love this match, Damon. This was great. Uh, it was just all action the whole 15 minutes. Uh, I just I love these matches with Zack where his opponent kind of taps into his you know cockiness and his arrogance. They draw him into a striking battle, and you know Zack's never going to win a striking battle because he's he's a noodle man. Right. But he just Kenta sucking him into that. So there was just like a really nice interplay between. The striking of Kenta, because Zach was just selling it like absolute death blows, and Zach with his grappling ability, maybe he's going to get you know the European clutch or the you know the flash pin, because that was always a danger. And then the submission stuff, where they were kind of equally balanced there, where you got Zach's range of creative submission maneuvers and Kenta's uh, game over submission maneuver, so it was kind of they're in a bit of a stalemate there. So it was like one of those kind of classic uh, MMA battles, like where you got the striker against the grappler so I found this match fascinating and I think they've got really good chemistry they had a great match in the G1 last year and the way Zach sold the go to sleep was just wonderful he, he looked like he was dead so big thumbs up for me for this match yeah I, I've for different and various reasons I've liked Zach's performances um, in G1 this year uh, I think Kent has had a great um, tournament I, well maybe a really good let's put it that way a really good so it's certainly better than what he's been Putting on New Japan strong, so yes. that at least. Oh, without question. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and even that wasn't bad. You know, that wasn't terrible. That was pretty good as well. Um, yeah, there was something about the, this match, and it might be just a matter of, of of guys being, you would think, pretty opposite, just having good chemistry, right? Opposites attracting. Um, 
yeah, there's. I I know we we hate doing stars, right? But, but I I don't mind doing stars. I can I can totally see the value in stars. It's just I don't feel that me just you know going through what moves happen in the match and then slapping a star rating. I don't think that's what people want to hear in the podcast. So I you know I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say there is no value to a star rating because I think it gives a useful uh, indicator benchmark of how much you enjoyed a match and if you respect that person's opinions then it's going to be useful so i'm not like massive anti-star ratings thing i just don't think it's particularly interesting well then i'm not going to do it then (laughs) no but this is my point damon i I respect your opinions Ah! i want to hear your star ratings Ah. but you know when people are tweeting out oh my average star rating for enter is 3.76 i don't give a fuck I just do it because it might be the, the easiest way for me to communicate if I like the match or not, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, let's hear the star ratings then. I'm all right. 17. I gave it 17 star ratings. <laughs> um, no. I, uh, I'm in the fours. I'm in the fours. I'm in the low fours. Um, that's, that's where I felt like this match fit and, and, and brought me. So, um, yeah. Low fours. Next match was Tarashi Tanahashi defeating Juice Robinson in 40 minutes, 16 seconds with a roll-up. This was okay. It wasn't bad. Um, I was disappointed. Yeah, well, okay, there was a... The, the finish was a bit weird because it's like Tanahashi just dropped and then Juice froze and then Tanahashi rolled him up. So I don't know if there was a kind of a, a bit of a botch there. And they, they did have a better match than this in the New Japan Cup a couple of years ago. So I was expecting more here. And I like the story they were telling where Juice is the fitter, stronger, younger, hungrier guy and has kind of got Tanahashi on the ropes and Tanahashi's just sort of squeaking out victories using his veteran skills, like his craftiness, managing to outsmart his opponents rather than, you know, outmuscle them or, or out outspeed them or whatever. So I appreciated it from that aspect, but this wasn't really special or memorable. Yeah, which is a little bit disappointing in the sense of we were coming right off of... Um, the Yano match. So I was kind of hoping Tanahashi was going to be, I don't know. I, and this is, I'm not putting the, the blame on Tanahashi here in this match. I just thought maybe we would have a little bit extra incentive to have a real great match. And I thought these two would have a great match. Um, I don't know. There was something missing. And I did see that 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 uh, narrative of the match, of yeah, Juice being the stronger, the hungrier one, maybe the one with a little bit more fire, and Tanahashi being the the crafty veteran, um, and just looking for an opening to get the win and get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, this was all right. I, I again. I, my my feeling going out of the match was uh, a little disappointed because I thought it would. I, I was really looking forward to this, and it didn't hit the mark where I was kind of hoping it would hit. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Semi main event was Toriano defeating Evil in four minutes thirty three seconds with Inside Cradle. Uh, I mean, I don't really understand why this was the semi main event. It was all right, I guess. I mean, for a Yano comedy match where he's Sneaking out the funny win over Evil. I mean, 
whatever. I don't, don't have any strong feelings on this, unfortunately. Yeah, just nonsense and ball shots and and just you know, you know. I, how do you review something like this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you sit there? I mean, do, do you well, review I, it? I, I tell you what, my my metric is for reviewing Yano match. Did it make me laugh? Right. I if it didn't say. make me laugh, did it make me smile? Did this match make me laugh? No. No. Uh, well, maybe like a bit of a chuckle when I saw that he'd actually beaten Evil, but you know, Yano has beaten Sonata, he's beaten Tanahashi, he's beaten Evil, so it's not like losing to Yano is like, oh my god, this guy's dead in the water now that he's lost to Toriano. It's just, it's a wild card thing, and you just kind of roll your eyes and then move on. It is pretty crazy, though, how he does get wins over big names, and, you know, it's not like he's, you know... Uh, hitting some devastating move for that win. These are all just, you know, cheating. I mean, that's what he does. Um, and being sneaky and finding new ways to be sneaky. Um, are you shocked? I mean, you said you gave a, a chuckle. Were you shocked that they gave him wins over Tanahashi and Evil? Yes, I think having three out of three for those three opponents who you expect to be in the running or close to by the time the final night comes around. Yeah, that was a big surprise. But again, it, it's meaningless, isn't it? Because Yano's just there to sort of play spoiler, balance out the points a bit and hopefully make you laugh once or twice. Right. Okay. So on the giggle scale, um, didn't hit the mark and, and it did not for me as well. All right. So that would be a poor performance for Toru Yano. <laughs> All right, move on. Main event, Tetsuya Naito defeats Hiroki Goto, 21 minutes 58 with Destino. I loved the match they had at Korokuen last year in the G1 because it was shorter than this and more intense. And both guys just went out at hammer and tongs and I thought they had really good chemistry. But here, putting it in the main event slot and having to stretch it out to a 22-minute match, I felt compromised that excitement and drama. Mm-hmm. And we had just the opening section of the match where... Naito's in control wasn't particularly interesting to me. The closing stuff was good. They're, they're always good in New Japan main events. Some nice back and forth interplay between the, the finishing moves, the Destino and the GTR. Uh, but it was okay. It was not a bad match, but it's not one that's going to be in my top 10 come the end of the G1. You mentioned the critique there that I'm telling you, it's more than once, even on the shows that we're going to talk about here today, that idea of if this match were put on anywhere else on the show, it probably would have been miles better. And the idea of having to stretch it out, fill the time, because the main events have to go a certain length for whatever reason. We can't just go 10 minutes and send you know people home with a great match. No, we gotta we gotta fucking draw it out. Um, it hurts the match, and there's another match that I felt the same way that we're, we'll talk about later, even more passionately. Um, good, not great, right? Good, not great. Um, and and I think one of the big things was that idea of this being the main event and having to to I don't want to say kill time, but we had to shake, we had to kill some time, um, and that makes for some. <sighs> slower, we'll call it, um, moments in this match. Night seven was Wednesday, also at Korakuen Hall, and our 
back to the A block where we had our first A block match being Minoru Suzuki defeating Yujiro Takahashi 7 minutes 53 seconds with a Gotch Star Power Driver. I like this. I, again, I think Yujiro is doing an absolutely fine job being the opening G1 match more often than not. Uh, again, I take back what I said about him being denied off because he's not. I think he's really putting in effort, and I enjoyed seeing him showing a bit of fire, a bit of passion, getting in a striking exchange with Suzuki, showing a bit of that fighting spirit. And yeah, this is fun watching them going back and forth. Again, uh, nothing that's going to get on your notebook or your spreadsheet, but as far as Yujiro Takahashi goes, I think he's been perfectly fine. I tell you what, I like the fact that he gave up his back more. You know, he took one chair shot, and I thought that was going to be it. He took about two more. And I was like, "Wow, look at look at." Made you cheer for him, didn't it? I never thought I'd be cheering for Yujiro Takahashi, but he made me sympathize and want him to get the win here. And I think he's probably going to go zero and nine. But uh, even so, I I kind of want him to get a win. If he does get I a do. win, I'm going to be happy for him. Yeah, I would. I will be too. Um. I don't know if we'll be able to go through and see what he's got left on the table where he might get that win, but you're saying he, go, he goes over. I, you figure he's got to get at least one. Yeah, it gives you something a little bit to root for, right? Um, I will say this about night seven and, you know, the Corkin shows. Do you find Corkin to be the your least favorite venue in this COVID era, Joel? Like I see the other yeah. buildings, and there's just something about them. They like they feel like, like, like I don't know. There's something about them that we're maybe it's because they don't get a you know haven't gotten a lot of pro wrestling in the past couple of months, and and they're you know I don't know they can't yell and scream, but it just feels like there's more energy and it feels like a show, and and these corking shows sometimes feel a little bit dead. Um, and Certainly they, with the crap clouds. Yeah. Crap cloud. Crap, crap clouds. Because the fact that, you know, we've been to Coracle and we know it's, it's an intimate, noisy venue that yeah. it, the, the uniqueness of it is how fiery and, and loud and passionate the fans can get in there. And when you take away the ability to make that noise, then it loses all of its charm. A, 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 a whole hell of a lot of it. Yeah, it really does. Um yeah, it's it's just like I said, one of those things where I almost couldn't wait for them to get out of there um, and get back on the road because um, I don't know, just like those venues just feel. Maybe it's because you can fit more people in them, or I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it, but um, they feel they feel like real shows minus cheering. All right, sorry about that. Sorry, I didn't want to derail us again. Um, next up, what we got? Uh, Bushi and Cobb, which was really good, right? It was really good. I thought this was Cobb's best match of the G1 so far, and I think a large part of that is down to Ibushi, who I think helped uh, elicit that monster energy that we want from Jeff Cobb. There are a few spots in here that we haven't seen from him before, like when Ibushi was holding onto the turnbuckle and Cobb pulls his legs out and grabs him in midair and slams him, and when he did like the F5000 thing and spent, <laughs> sent Ibushi like twirling off like a helicopter... I was like, yes, that's the Jeff Cobb I want to see. And so, you know, we had this early part where Jeff was manhandling Ibushi, which was exciting, and I enjoyed that a lot. And then Ibushi just, you know, gradually taking control with his his striking and puts him away. It's just really good stuff, and I want to see more of this Jeff Cobb. I want to see him leaning into his, his size and his power and his physicality to give you those memorable power spots in the match rather than just, you know, going through his 
usual array of suplexes. Yeah. I mean, again, Abushi helps with that, right? He's he's the perfect opponent for Jeff. I feel like you know he's he's got that athleticism um, to allow him to take those crazy fucking bumps and go, you know, as you say, spinning off into the night like a fucking helicopter. Um, yeah, there's. I don't know where I'm at with with with. Jeff, though I don't know where where I'm sitting so far in G1, um, he might be the guy. Where it, like, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's him, per se. I mean, he's the common denominator, but it's such a varying swing with the way I enjoy his matches and and, and don't. <laughs> and, and again, I think what it comes down to a lot is his opponent. Um, and what they're able to do to, and again, help along is not what a, the point I'm trying to make, but to to amplify his strengths and tone down his weaknesses. Um, Abushi's you know a top five guy <laughs> to help him do that. Um, one of the things that just of note, watching this match and Cheryl's in there and she's talking about Kota Abushi's body. She was very impressed, very impressed with Kota Ibushi. Uh, she made special mention, Joel, of how he has those. So he has the, the, the six-pack, of course, but he has those little tiny muscles right below the rib cage. You know, there's there's tiny little muscles that where, when he raises them. Made special notice of that and made special notice of, I didn't know guys had that. <laughs> You'll never know that from me. You'll never find them on me. Uh, so I thought that was a, a real great shot to my self-confidence. Thank you, Kota Bushi, once again. <laughs> what a heel turn, Ibushi. What are you doing, mate? Fuck. Homewrecker. Oh, again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win. Just stay uh, away from wrestlers. They're, they're bad news for you, Damon. They really are. Stealing everybody. All right. Uh, and then we got uh, Okada Taichi. Okada Taichi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 17 minutes three seconds I caught a winning uh, with a money clip referee stoppage I thought this was Okada's best G1 match so far and I put a large part of that down to Taichi who brought the the fire the energy the enthusiasm that is often missing from these Okada matches because if his opponent's not going to bring that fire Okada's not certainly not bringing that fire not in this current iteration at least so I thought Taichi did an outstanding job uh, showing that desperation and desire to win. And I thought he also sold the money clip really well, uh, which not many wrestlers have done. Not many of Okada's opponents have done a good job with that so far. So and I'm not going to say Taichi carried him to uh, a good match, but I thought this is m- moving closer towards what I want to see from an Okada match. And also, the fact that I love Taichi and was cheering for him to win, I really didn't like the, the possibility of him tapping out to the money clip was making me cheer for Taichi. So I did have some emotional investment in that. I certainly wasn't cheering for Okada, but the fact that I was cheering for someone is uh, something that made me enjoy the match more than I otherwise would have done. So there you go. I, I thought this was pretty good. I thought it was good. I thought it was real good. Um, there were many times during this match where I had to remind myself that that's Taichi in the ring. That's how much I, I I I enjoyed the match. Like I had to remind myself that that's Taichi, guys, um, who again 
we say it a million times on this show. If you're a, a listener, you know what I'm going to say. Great two years. He's not the same Tai Chi. But even me still had to be like, wow, I mean, that's, I, you know, it's just weird seeing him perform at such a high level. Um, I want to talk a second, though, about uh, uh, Okada because um, I, I, he feels like a guy to me right now. Uh, and, and again, whether it's intentional, whether this is storyline, whatever this may be, he feels like a guy. Like, I don't feel like he is... I, I don't feel that Okada vibe with him, a specialness, um, a cut above, um, any of that when I see him. And, it, and he's one of my favorites of all time. And I just don't – like I just find it very weird in 2020 that I'm actively rooting for Tai Chi and I'm – not feeling anything toward Okada. Is that the booking? Is that him? Is that... I mean, of any top guy... Let me take that back because, you know, I think Tanahashi might be in that world at different points in his career. But do you, don't you find it amazing how the, those two top guys how New Japan has found a way to create stars off, off, off of them. Um, and make them feel less important at different points in their career. Like Okada just does not feel like an important guy right now. Does he? He doesn't. And we had a question from Kutuzov who says, how excited will you be when Okada uses the money clip to win the main event of Wrestle Kingdom? <laughs> I mean, I, I went into detail about this in our last episode. I think there is no emotional connection between us, the casual viewers, and this current iteration of Okada because we don't sympathise for him because it's not as if some misfortune is that was outside of his control has befallen him that's making us want to see him you know climb back to the top of the mountain it's just him going a bit weird and stubborn and making a personal choice right i'm going to do things this way from now on so that's not something that i think the, the casual fan can empathize with so i think that is where the big disconnect is uh right. and my, what, and my what biggest challenge yeah and my biggest challenge is, is why him why would you do that to arguably the most talented guy on your roster? Why him? Well, I'm pretty sure it's his decision to do that. I just, maybe because he's done so much for the company, been such a huge star for them that they just let him do what he wants. And this is him, you know, going experimental jazz on them. <laughs> do you think that's what it really, do you think it's him or, or do you think it's the, uh, a, a, you know, Locker room, okay, we're going to go this route again. Blah, blah, blah. Do, you think, do you think it's more him? I think it's him. Okay. Well, somebody better get it in his fucking ear. Because you're losing a lot of people here. When I say losing, losing interest. There's, no, there's nothing to sink your teeth into. All right. Um, I like the match, though. And you're right. I, like Up until this point, I think this is one of Okada's best performances in G1. 
So anyway, main event, the fifth match was Will Ospreay defeating Jay White in 18 minutes, 46 seconds with a Stormbreaker. I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this wow. one, Damon. Yeah. So, do you want to go first and tell me what you thought of this match? I loved it. I, I And I texted you because I heard rumors. I got wind of... Uh, you didn't like this match. I didn't want to give it away, but uh, I don't know why. I thought this was fantastic. I thought Osprey was 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 great. Um, I had n- I I know people were complaining about like the leg, but like I I'm like he's I thought he was selling the like he was tapping that le- leg and 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 smacking it and all throughout the entire end of the match. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, he's doing some spectacular moves too, but okay. But that I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna. I mean, you see it all the time in pro wrestling, for Christ's sake. I'm not gonna. I mean, that's. I thought this was really good. I thought Jay White was spectacular. Um. No, nah, this was this was. I thought I thought it was one of my favorite matches of the tournament. Um. I thought both guys were were outstanding. Um. And again, especially Will. Um, I'm 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 curious to see where where you fell off. All right, I did watch this match twice. I watched it with the Japanese commentary. I watched it earlier today with the English commentary, just to make sure I felt the same way. Okay. I I want to like all New Japan matches. I I went into this one wanting to love it. Their previous match on the anniversary show was terrific. I was a big supporter of Will Ospreay, the wrestler, last year. I thought he had an incredible 2019. He was given an unprecedented amount of opportunities, for sure, but I thought he did a great job putting on exciting matches that I felt also helped his opponents, too. Okay. But, but, since he's come back to Japan, I feel that he's changed. Now, I am trying to just discuss Ospreay, the wrestler, here. I don't think I'm being influenced by his backstage transgressions although I can never rule that out because you know maybe I have subconsciously become more critical of his wrestling as a result of that but it it seems to me that this Will Ospreay is a selfish wrestler with uh, a chip on his shoulder Mm. and a huge ego that's hurting his matches so Yudro match that was basically a squash match but it's Yudro I mean fine he's not going to get any points probably the Ishii match we, we agreed on that was an Osprey showcase, right? We barely got any Ishii footprint on that. Shingo match I thought was very good, but Shingo won that match, so of course that necessitated Shingo looking strong in the match. Which brings us to this match. Now, the first third of this match was getting over how strong and powerful Osprey is. His chops are so devastating, they send Jay crawling away in pain. Right, and that's okay. Jay White's his whole gimmick is that he's the crafty coward and you know doesn't want to engage with that kind of physicality. So Jay's trying to pick his moments to get the advantage, right. and he does that. He get you know backdrop to the floor, look great. I was like, wow, yeah, now we're cooking here. DDT through the ropes when Osprey's trying to get back in the ring. Great, I, I'm on board there. He it seems like he's targeting Osprey's neck, which makes sense because Osprey's had neck issues in the past. Blade Runner, that's a finish that also targets the neck. Okay, so all good so far. I'm enjoying it. Jay does one attack, one attack on Osprey's leg, and then Osprey's doing this exaggerated selling. He's limping, he's smacking his leg, he's flexing it, which had no connection to anything that happened prior to it, 
and no connection to anything that happened afterwards because one second he's in agony and the next he's literally doing a Sasuke special and a springboard 450 absolutely flawlessly. And then from that point onwards, it's a non-issue. The, the knee is forgotten about. Now, Damon, I know I can be a selling snob. I admit that. A lot of the time, I, I do try to overlook it because there are like three people in New Japan who can do it well. But this really hurt the match for me because here's the problem. It made Jay White look like an idiot. There was absolutely no consequence to this phantom leg injury because not once did Jay White capitalize on it by attacking it further or countering when Osprey was selling the leg. It was just like, oh, my leg hurts a bit, but I'll shake it off and continue getting all my shit in. Because Jay White, his entire character is based upon taking advantage of those little moments, and that didn't happen here. It was just completely ignored. When Osprey's selling the leg, Jay White's just looking at him in confusion, like he had no idea it was coming. So that made me think Osprey just decided to improvise and throw it in. Because Jay White does not whiff like that on match psychology. That is his bread and butter. And, I mean, you might think I'm blowing a bit of shit selling out of proportion, which I will accept. But then the final third of the match is Osprey foiling every single one of Jay and Ghetto's tricks and beating him comfortably. Osprey was never in any danger of losing here. He, he completely outsmarted Jay White. And Jay White's outsmarted the entire rest of the fucking roster at some point, which makes Osprey look like an absolute genius, makes okay. Jay White uh, and everyone he's beaten look like fools. So you put those three acts of the match together. So act one, Osprey's devastating chops, sending Jay running scared. Act two, Osprey deciding his leg is injured, Jay failing to take advantage of any, any kind, and then Osprey making a miraculous recovery to get in all his cool moves. And then act three, Osprey being wise to all of Jay and Ghetto's tricks outsmarting them both, winning the match easily. Like, can you see why when you put all those things together, this match paints uh, a rather unflattering picture of Osprey? And, and, I mean, Jay deserves some of the blame here too because he's got a track record of high quality when it comes to, to big-time matches. I mean, maybe I'm being unfair here, but I, I've got this mental image of Osprey and Jay White laying out the match beforehand and Jay White suggesting stuff and Osprey being like, no, I've got a better idea. How about I, I do a, a top rope drop kick and a, a pip pip cheerio and a, a springboard Oz cutter? And Jay White just sighing and being like, giving up and being like, okay, well, whatever, we'll do it your way. Like, you know when you're in primary school and there was always that one really annoying hyperactive kid who you play with and they keep changing the rules so they can look cool and win. That, that's what this felt like. Osprey, he looked like a, a hyperactive kid who was living out some kind of power fantasy and Jay White, it looked like he'd given up and phoned it in. And then add to that the backstage promo afterwards of Osprey channeling the spirit of Kenny Omega. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it's, it's uncanny. He sounds exactly like him. He declares himself the Billy Goat, making one of the most horrific sounds I've ever had the misfortune of hearing. Like, the man looks genuinely unhinged. He, he looks like he's been sitting at home for months, getting shit on by everyone on social media, rightly so, finally making it back to Japan, getting back in the ring to do what he loves, and genuinely believing that he's the best wrestler in the world who can do whatever the fuck he wants. And maybe I'm being worked, maybe this is his plan, maybe it's a, a heel turn. But honestly, it ruined that match for me, and it's making me pray that Ibushi knees his face in next week. So, wow. there you go, there's there's my rant over. I don't... If I... It, honestly, if if you put any other name in that spot that Will Ospreay had in this match. Would you feel the same? Maybe not. Maybe this is my bias showing. Um, and, and again, this is, I'm putting 
a, a litany of evidence together to it, it, like I said it's the whole puzzle it's all the pieces being put together that annoyed me about this match I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I do. It did not, those things did not bother me as much as it bothered you. Um, I, I don't think that Jay was just, you know, they're talking over the match and they, you know, and Jay's resigning to anything. Like, Jay doesn't have to resign to shit, to be quite honest with you. Um. I I I don't so I don't want to speculate on that because I don't know I wasn't there who knows um I mean and there's plenty of cases where we you know people share stories of you know guys working together and you know or and talking it out in the back and guys flat out being like I ain't doing that shit <laughs> right we we've heard those um so I'm not gonna say that didn't happen but. Like Jay White doesn't always have to get the one up on everyone. He can he can falter in that idea. The strategy might not work every single time. Um, it might throw him off his game. Um, I don't know, man. But but I, seeing I, Osprey limping with a bad knee and then failing to follow up on that at all, like I think he might have kicked him in the leg once. But how is that Will Osprey's fault? No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's, Jay deserves some of the blame as well. Okay. And again, that's leading to me to the conclusion that it wasn't what they laid out for the match beforehand because it just seems so unlike Jay White. And uh, yeah, that's that's where my problem is. I hear. Okay. Okay. I mean, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, put yourself in the shoes of Jay White, the character. If you see this stronger, faster, more athletic opponent with a bad leg, you're going to go right after that. You're going to be like a shark sensing blood in the water and you're going to pick that knee apart. And he didn't. He completely ignored it and it was stupid. Okay. Uh, Fair. Um, A lot of that stuff... And here's the thing too. Maybe maybe it's a bias on my part in the sense of, I'm glad I didn't have to sit through fucking 10 minutes of Jay White working over a fucking leg. Maybe that's why I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I tell you, if you take that bit out of the match, the match is fine and I would enjoy it a lot more. And really, it, you it, need it. Just people you, who, don't, who are not good at selling injuries, if you can't do it consistently, just don't do it. It's not something Will Ospreay should do because it's not... He, he's unable to perform his moveset without it. So just don't do it. It's fine. Not everyone has to do it. You didn't need to do that to prove to people what a well-rounded wrestler you are. Which yeah, again, that's making me think what's happened. He just wants to stick it to me. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to throw in some leg psychology in here. Uh, a completely ad-lib it because I'm Will Ospreay. I can, hey, but what do you want? Well, what do you want him to do? Fucking hobble around in a, in a rascal scooter? No, don't do it. That's what I mean. It, it clearly wasn't part of the story of the match. So don't do it. It didn't bother me half as much. It really bothers you, but it doesn't bother me that much. I know. I, know I accept I could be on an island. I mean, maybe everyone's going to tweet and be like, Joel, you fucking lost it. That match was great. And I'll accept that. I'll be just over here on crazy uh, <laughs> match psychology island. <laughs> Weren't you the same stuff. guy who fucking went on a rant a year I ago? Know. about Ross? I know. Come this on. is the thing. I know, I, Where's that guy? I, again, maybe, maybe this is just 
me turning into a corn cob. Who the fuck knows? But I I feel that 2019 Will Ospreay was great, and his matches, even when he was winning, was making his opponents look good. He, even if they lost, it was like kind of 50-50, and everyone came out of it looking good. Like he had matches with fucking Ren Narita in the Best of the Super Juniors that made Ren Narita look good. He made Doki look good in Best of the Super Juniors. So he can do it. It's just my theory is that he's been on this lockdown in the UK, away from his wrestling, and something's broken in his brain, and he's come back like, ah, I'm going to show everyone I'm the fucking best in the world, and I, I'm seeing that bleeding through into the matches. But again, maybe it's just me. I, I can accept being in a minority there. If all this stuff outside the ring didn't happen I, I, you know i'm not even gonna ask that question because it's hard for anyone to say yeah it wouldn't yeah, you know ma- what i mean maybe like, it is that's what i mean that's why i said at the start it's difficult for me to uh distance myself away from my own brain and say no there's no chance the outside of the ring stuff has uh made me more critical of will osprey maybe it has i don't think it has but there's a chance that it has you know i'm not gonna uh, i can't <laughs> say that for certain right here's what i appreciate about you though at least you got the fucking balls to admit it you know what I mean? At least you got the balls to fucking admit it. So good, good. Uh, look, yeah. I, and I realize I, I look really silly as well because people are going to tweet saying, "Oh, look, this is the same guy who was ranting and raving about how people were idiots for not liking Osprey matches." That, and that wasn't my point last year when I went off on one. That it was people uh, ridiculing me for saying that I thought Will Osprey was one of the best wrestlers in the world. Which okay, yeah, maybe a bit thin-skinned to me. Probably wouldn't wouldn't do that today. And yeah, I understand why that might be jarring, putting those two things side by side with me <laughs> last year saying how fucking brilliant he is and this year saying that I think he's ruining the G1. <laughs> I accept that it might be a bit of hypocrisy, but I hope, I hope I've done uh, a half-decent job explaining what I think has changed. I've tried to explain it as clearly as I can. If I still sound like a hypocrite or a lunatic, so be it. I, I will take that on the chin. I love it. I love it. Hey, listen... Uh, Again, it's good that we're we have differing opinions because we could sit here and do a circle jerk for two fucking hours, and that would be that. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I'm again ballsy move by you as well. So good job by you. All right, uh, now let's go on to a match that I fucking was so disappointed. Wait, well, sorry, in. we have I, got I'm a couple of questions about oh, Jay questions. and Will, if you don't mind. Axel says, anyone else see hints of a double turn for Hugh Osprey and a babyface white in their match, or was that just my own fantasy booking? I will say, Damon, that at the end of Osprey's horrible skin-crawling promo, I don't know if you've seen the promo, but he said right at the end as he was walking off, oh, Jay, good, good thinking with the manager there, which has raised a few eyebrows. Some people thinking, huh, is Will Osprey going to get a manager of his own? Is he maybe going to steal Ghetto from Jay White? What are your thoughts on possible heel turn for Osprey? I don't know if it's going to be uh, now for Jay White, but again, we've said it a thousand times that I think the end game with Jay White is babyface turn. Um, and we've said a few times in the past couple of weeks about Will, and again, maybe that dickheadedness that you, you, you that you point out is him, you know, prepping us for that heel turn. Um, Again, I don't know if Jay White would be this year. I think that's the end game. I think we're. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Will Ospreay turn. I would not be shocked at all. We also have a question about Jay White. Martin says, "Is Jay White the best 
in-ring psychology wrestler nowadays. And Paddy says, is Jay White doing anything differently now? I liked Jay before COVID and sometimes really liked him, but now I just really like everything he does. Has Jay changed or have I? I, I do think, I mentioned this last time, that he is thriving in this clap crowd environment because the way he's winding up the fans and mocking their clapping I think is adding an extra layer to his character which is just tremendous fun to watch for me do, do you think he's changed or improved oh I absolutely think he's improved um I think he's one of those like he was a, a breath of fresh air coming back and since he's been back um I really can't complain much about what he's done in the ring um Yeah, I know. I think he's. I, I listen. If you haven't been, if you weren't on board before, I think his return is definitely pushing more people in the positive column. That's for that's for damn sure. Now I can't get has the world changed or have I changed? I've got the fucking Smiths lyrics in my head. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. I I, I mean I'm. I, I was I'm never I was never a huge Jay White guy, that's for sure. Uh but I would put myself in that camp of he's done himself nothing but favors in 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 making everybody see what kind of a performer he is. I don't know what I I love I, I know people throw around ring psychology a lot, and I don't think people really know what that means. Um and I I, I don't know if I do. I think a lot of people find different ways to describe ring psychology. Um, I think what he does is everything that you talked about that was a problem with the Will Ospreay match in the sense that his matches are logical. His matches make sense. They're more tactical than they are big impact moves. But he still has that opportunity of setting up the big impact move. Um yeah, I think he's one of the best in the game right now. Absolutely. Our main event was Tomohiro Ishii defeating Shingo Takagi in 26 minutes Boy. and one second with a vertical drop brain buster. Uh, you got some thoughts on this one, Damon? Do you want to go first? <laughs> this one hurt, man. This one fucking hurt. Look, I like big, beefy guys beating the living shit out of each other. I love it. Love it. But I don't like it just for the fact of doing it. Because to me, it just becomes like what, what like one of I love Ishii matches when he incorporates pace, number one. Number two, pro wrestling and the beefy hard-hitting moves. When you just take the hard-hitting moves, sometimes it gets to be like, what's the point? I understand that both these guys are guys that, in most cases, would rather run you over than even get the win. Like, they want to know that they fucking hurt you as opposed to, I got a three count on you. And if I do get a three count on you, it's going to be me blasting through you as opposed to getting a cheeky fucking roll-up. We know this. It's those, sometimes those spots of, okay, I'm going to hit you as hard as I can, and you're going to hit me as hard as I can. Or, you know, you're going to hit me as hard, you know, you know what I mean. Um, 
that kind of gets boring after a while. Um, and it, it's it almost becomes like not pro wrestling. It just becomes this fucking. It's almost like watching death matches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just waiting for you to throw yourself into barbed wire and the explosion and the light tubes and the stuff to get me there is like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? Like I like if this match were in the third position or the you know second match. And they booked this match to be 10 minutes, go. That's when you see the best Ishii. But man, this fucking match let me down so hard. Like, on paper, I was salivating for this. I couldn't wait for this to fucking happen. 26 minutes is too long for these two. Because they had nothing to lead me to the last five minutes, which were pretty fucking great. Um... Main event killed this fucking match. See, I thought this was going to be another one we'd disagree on, but I'm exactly with you, Damon. The first okay. match of theirs in, in the G1 last year, I enjoyed. I thought it was good. Uh, then the never title match, I thought, hmm, that was pretty similar to the first one. And then this one was the first one, but like twice the length. So all the flaws that you mentioned, it's just... The, the work is great. The I can't fault the, the work rate, the effort the energy, the execution, it's all on point. But it just does absolutely nothing for me because there's no sense of escalation. It's like it starts off at 70 miles an hour and just you know continues that way the whole way through. There's no sort of d- d- differentiation in the... There's no sort of peaks and valleys. There's no time for you to sort of stop and catch your breath. It's just all bang, 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 bang. And it just becomes noise. Your brain just tunes it out. And you're, you're watching it. You're seeing all these lariats and and slapping against each other and bumping and and all that and it just ends up fading into one big beefy mess you know so it's just like the the longer these matches go the less interesting they become and and i said before it's like it's diminishing returns at this point so there was i don't think this was a good choice to be a main event for me and, and to be fair Again, we might be in the minority because there are plenty of people on Twitter who said they loved it and they love matches like this. And, you know, maybe it's just brain candy. And But I like the second like half. Yeah, I like the second half of those kind of matches. Like, the second half of this match, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. It was, the, it was the fucking 10 minutes of them standing next to each other, just hitting each other. That I just, like, after a while, you're just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's enough. Like when you inco- when Ishii incorporates pro wrestling, and again, a pace. That's when he's spectacular. It's it's the when he's standing. They're standing in the middle of the fucking ring, and it's just like, okay, we get it. You 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 guys are tough, right? Can we move on? That's where it gets a little because they because because it, it feels like there's not they have nothing. Uh, let me just take that back. It feels like Ishii when he's put in that spot doesn't have a lot to go with except that you know what i mean like that's how he's always going to lead up to these type of matches and if we just eliminate that we have perfection to me it works better doesn't it when he's got a different kind of wrestler to bounce off of like the ibushi match i thought was really good because it was the the 
kicks and the palm strikes of Ibushi as a counterpoint to the lariats and the headbutts of and the forearms of Ishii. So I like there to be a kind of difference between the two opponents to make it more interesting. But these two are just so similar, and I think Shingo is fulfilling a very similar function on the roster to Ishii. He's there as sort of a big gatekeeper to help get uh, bigger stars than him over. And it just it, they were just too similar here for it to be interesting. And I think the best match review came from Kanemaru, who's on commentary, and he said, well, that was an Ishii and Takagi match. And Kanemaru <laughs> on the money with that. So uh, there we go. That's our A block. Uh, it could be anyone's statement. I, I would not want to be betting my money on who I thought was going to win the A block because it's still too close to call. I, I do still think Okada is going to go on a bit of a run now. And I'm going to stick with him to be my block winner eventually, uh, defeating Will Ospreay at the end of the A block. But if you were that way inclined, Damon, if you were a betting man and you like to put your money on the outcome of sporting events, maybe not pro wrestling, but other sports, where would you go? Well, there's only one place for us, Joel. You know what that is. It's my bookie, of course. It's my bookie. Um, Look, my bookie can only mean one thing. It's winning season we talk about it a lot um i hope you put some money down on the tampa bay lightning because they're your stanley cup champions walked away with a cup you walked away with some cash as well and you got your nba playoffs right now and baseballs in their playoffs and premier league and all of it it's right here it's right now it's winning season for you at my bookie winning season means doubling your first deposit that's great news right Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. My bookie. It's all about your chance to win big when we talk about winning season. Again, NBA playoffs. NHL, well, maybe, you know, maybe some future bets there, right? Major League Baseball, UFC fights, of course. Uh, craziest sports time of your life. It's here. It's here. You're living it right now. And all you need to do is go to my bookie. It's simple. You make your picks, you win big. You collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition. Select from hundreds, hundreds of future bets. Or you can bet games in real time. My bookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use the promo code SUPERJ. That's SUPERJ. And here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to double your first deposit. That's great news. Double your first deposit just by entering SUPERJ. Unbelievable. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. It's designed to add a little bit more excitement to the sports you love and the games you already bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers. Thousands. Count them up. Props. Parlays. They're waiting for you. You bet already. We know you do. I see it on the Discord. You guys making some money. Well, now you can. My bookie is where you need to go. Super J is your promo code. Double your first deposit. No-brainer. Sign up now. Bet with the best. Celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today. Only, only, only at my bookie. Our night eight, is it? Yeah, we're night eight of the G1 Climax now. was on uh, Thursday, yesterday in Niigata. And our first B-block match was Juice Robinson defeating Toriano in 6 minutes 42 seconds with a roll-up. And for me, Damon, this one passed the Yano laugh test. I did have a little yep. chuckle. I enjoy Yano when he brings gifts and he's saying, present for you, please wear, and shouting. 
I like that. That makes me chuckle. And also, I enjoyed Juice Robinson doing moves with his leg, with his ankles tied together. I thought that was funny. I think he should have wrestled more. I would have liked to see him try and do the pulp friction with his uh, ankles tied together. But yeah, I chuckled. So this one is a win for me. Yep, I had a couple chuckles as well. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a grouchy old guy. Uh, had a couple chuckles, and I even had a, had a nice little laugh at, at uh, Juice Robinson at the end, if you noticed, when he was walking through the curtain right before. You can't bullshit a bullshitter, and I like that line a lot. So good job. Uh, 9,562 stars for that one. Next match was Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Hiroki Goto in 3 minutes, 59 seconds. Yahoo! With a European clutch. I thought this was great. I was expecting a longer match, but I like being surprised. I love it when you have the odd match that goes less than five minutes just to keep you on your toes, keep you on it. So you're not sitting there thinking, well, nothing's going to happen until the the 10 minute call has gone. And it made sense because Goto just had this massive war with Naito. He's got his his shoulder all banged up. Zach went straight after him. I I think Zach has been one of the MVPs of this G1 so far. He's shown a lot more uh, dynamism uh, and energy, uh, like uh, from bell to bell, he just seems to be uh, more of a spring in his step. I don't know if he's trying to make up for the fact that the rest of B Block are sort of slower paced wrestlers and is being more dynamic to make up for that, but he's been one of the highlights for me for this B Block, and I thought he really showed it here because he just went straight after Gotto's bad shoulder, uh, injured him even further, and then caught him off guard with the, the European clutch roll up. I thought this was tremendous. Yep. Uh, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say a surprise pinfall, but I think everyone was, you know, you heard even gasps in the crowd when uh, the the fucking third slap of the mat happened. Um, and that was great. Like, everybody, I think, was, was shocked and thrilled. Now, look, I'm sure if you're the guy who's being asked, listen, we need you to fucking lie down and it's going to be under five minutes. I'll make it up to you, but tonight, you know, you, you got you to gotta be okay with that. And I got to tip my cap to, to Hiroki Goto on that one because he could have very easily been like, fuck that, I'm not, no. He did it. And, and he had to swallow his pride a little bit. I'm sure a little bit. It's good. I like that. Good job. Uh, High-paced, exciting, um, work the shoulder. Yep, absolutely. No, I, it was it was th- it was a thrill. It was a thrill that match. And you don't always have to go twenty minutes. You don't always have to go fifteen minutes. Keep us on our toes. That I think that is the one thing that um, you need more of. Number one. And number, and I would love to see it in the main event. I love. I would love to see New Japan have the guts to do that. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that <laughs> you know main I mean? event that goes like seven minutes. That would right. be awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome? And and I'm not saying that just because. Like it would be awesome in the sense of you're on your toes and you don't expect that. That's that's what you kind of want in your pro wrestling. The best pro wrestling is when you don't know who's going to win. That kind of thing. If they had the fucking guts to pull that off in a main event. Man, I would be standing up and giving them a standing ovation. No doubt about it. Um, I like that they did it here. Made sense. Everything's fine. No, no, it, it really, Goto's not, you know, l- losing out on this one. He's not, you know, he doesn't look like a fucking geek. Um, you know, there's a legitimate reason for him to lose. I like that. Um, but no, I, 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 <laughs> it's strange, but like, 
I think those matches have more impact to me than the 26-minute Ishii Shingo match. Like, to me, this has more impact. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, again, I think it's important to have that sort of variety to keep you honest. And uh, so you're not sitting there knowing that nothing of consequence is going to happen for the first portion of the match. So uh, there we go. Another match that, well, it didn't surprise me, but I loved was the fourth match with Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Yoshihashi. 18 minutes, 41 seconds with a high five flow. Damon, I thought this was great. I'm me so too. impressed with Yoshihashi this tournament. And he and Tanahashi, they've got good chemistry. They put in a really good match in the G1 a couple of years ago. And to me, Yoshihashi is exceeding all expectations here. I thought this was great. I bit on all the near falls. He's improved the butterfly, butterfly lock with a little Kimura uh, arm lock twisting. He's added to it. That's making it look more dangerous. It was just so back and forth towards the end. And I, I had no idea who was going to win. I, I was just... I was cheering for Yoshihashi I can't believe it I'm a Yoshihashi fan now I was desperate for him to get that win over Tanahashi and I also think it's notable Tanahashi did three high fly flows in this match and he doesn't bust those out for anyone uh, well he doesn't bust them out for everyone in the G1 a lot of the times he's going to get through he'll he'll get through his 12 minute match and he'll roll someone up at the end without uh, taking a pounding with a high fly flow but he did one into the mat and then he did two to finish off Yoshihashi which to me shows the respect that he has and the respect that I think we all need to start showing to our new Lord and Saviour, Yoshihashi. Ichiban wow. sweet boy. <laughs> ah. Well, all right. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it. I'm going I'm to give you a little sugar to make the medicine go down. How about this? Um, I agree that Yoshihashi had a fantastic fucking match here. Fantastic match. Um, loved it. Loved it. I, I, one of the best performances I've seen in G1. And he's had a fantastic G1. Um, he's had a fantastic year. Right? Let's, let's, let's not, let's not mince words. He's had a, he, it's too, th- if this weir can't get any fucking stranger, Yoshihashi is having a great year. Yeah, the, the Tenzan match in the the New Japan Cup. Who was expecting that to be good in an empty arena? Yeah. That was great. The, yeah. Never six man tournament. He was the the heart and soul of that. And now in the G one, he is putting us all to shame. Yep. Now, Sonata match was okay. Right, it was it was good. He's in the. I I gotta I gotta tip my cap to Hiroshi Tanahashi too. Uh Every fucking year we talk about how, you know, he's held together with duct tape and what did Zach say? Duct tape and hairspray. Um, he's had a, you know, Yano match aside. Right? And the juice one, which was a little disappointing just because of me. That's not, and I'm not even saying that it was a bad match. It was, I, I'm a little disappointed in it. I thought it was going to be a little bit better, but okay. See, th- those two matches are sandwiched between... Some two fucking outstanding performances, and I and again everybody wants to fucking put him aside and put him in the bin and and put him in the old age home. He's had Hiroshi Tanahashi's had some pretty fucking great matches in this G one. Um, when he when it's called for when he gets a tap on the shoulder, he 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 goes. Um, so you know Yoshihashi was wasn't in, he was in there with arguably the greatest pro wrestler of my generation. Um. Uh, yeah, you know, it's saying something. 
I'm not taking anything away from him, though, because he's had a great year, and he needed to be a, a great dance partner to make this match great. Hiroshi Tanahashi's in there, though. He's pretty fucking good. Our fifth match was Evil defeating Kenta in 15 minutes, 40 seconds with Clean. In our first Bullet Club versus Bullet Club match of this G1 Climax. And I enjoyed this a lot. More from the the story aspect than necessarily the in-ring stuff. Because I think it's one of the most intriguing things that they've got uh, in their arsenal coming up for the next few months. Is what's going to happen with this big Bullet Club, Bullet Club story where you've had the big boys, Jay and Kenta, out of the country whilst evil has been recruited. You know, is evil really part of the Bullet Club or is he just using it as a means to an end to you know, progress his own career? What role does Dick Togo play in that? So I just found it very, very interesting the way uh, before the match when Kenta offers the two-sweet and then Evil and Dick Togo reject that and do their own little two-sweet together. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Now now we're cooking. Now I'm really interested in this story. Match itself, I liked it. You know, a lot of bullshit, a lot of shenanigans. There were just little moments I, I like. I, again, I enjoy when it's heel versus heel. And the heel, one of the heels doesn't magically become a baby face. Like Kenta was right. still acting like Kenta. He was still being a dickhead, but in a way that was making you cheer for him. Like I, I just loved him sort of grabbing Dick Togo. I don't know what he whispered to him, something menacing. Like, you know, if you get involved in this, I'm going to fuck you up. And it was just interesting seeing all that stuff playing off each other and him decking him with a briefcase. So he was still being heel Kenta, but just put against the, uh, the, the opponent of bullet club heel evil made it really interesting i mean a lot of shenanigans ref bumps a lot of bullshit towards the end but i i didn't mind it it's something that i've come to expect in evil matches and it, it just it doesn't really bother me at this point and i thought the match was pretty good I, i'm enjoying evil more i think he's getting more comfortable with the character because he's still learning he's being asked to play an entirely new role here so he's still figuring it out and i think he's getting more comfortable with it just little things like the way he smirks at the camera licks his lips a kind of horny, sexy way. Hot. I like that. That's a good touch. Yeah. Uh, the way he works over body parts, the way he was working over Kenta's shoulder with some interesting manoeuvres, I thought that is an improvement in his game. So I think he's starting to put things together because he's kind of thrown in at the deep end being asked to do this whole new character uh, with a 24 hours notice after the New Japan Cup final. So I'm willing to give him more time to, to grow. And yeah, I thought this was a good match. I thought it was really good. Um, I enjoy the bullshit when it's... <laughs> Cheryl just walked in and gave me my uh, vitamins. She goes, oh boy. <laughs> um, I enjoy the bullshit when it comes to interfaction heel groups. Like, I expect it. I mean, I want all the bullshit, really. I don't, I don't want to fucking grab an arm bars. Give me all the dick punches. Give me all the manager interference. Give me all the ref bumps. Because why wouldn't it? Like, it it would just, you would think it would magnify. You got both those guys, you know. Yeah. Why be a baby, yeah. Why be a baby face? Why would would you need one? I don't want to see that. Nobody does. So, um, I do think it's little seeds. I think a lot of the interaction that you saw here in this match are little things, little 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 things that you'll look back on when this finally implodes, and uh, you know, part of that storyline, and that's part of that 
narrative uh, can be traced back to a match like this and other matches that we'll see, I'm sure, throughout the year when it comes to uh, Bullet Club. So, yeah. Um, I thought it was a decent match. I thought it was good. Um, and it might have been the it might have been the bullshit that kind of scaled it down for me. Uh, but I but I embraced it. I I, I kind of it was just like okay, give me it all, give me all the fucking shit you can um, in this match because it just makes perfect sense to me. That's it. At this point, with evil, if there wasn't the bullshit, if you didn't get Dick Togo trying to strangle the opponent on the ringside, you'd be like, "What's going on? Why, right. Where's my bullshit?" We've come to expect it. Maybe it's Stockholm syndrome, but I like it now. I want it in all the evil matches. It makes me right. laugh. Right. Uh, David says, what, "What do you think of evil since the turn?" I'd always liked him in Lij and hope to get a push, but it's not working for me. Slow matches, no notable new moves, and predictable ref bump slash interference. It's like watching the bad parts of Jay White without the great stuff Jay does. Uh, you're not in the minority, David. I will say that. There's plenty of people who would agree with you, so we you know, we can't sit here and tell you you're wrong for disliking it. It's just, uh, I think it's an acquired taste. Um, and I'm not saying, oh, you're an idiot for not appreciating it. I just think it's the sort of thing you need to recalibrate your expectations for what evil is, what he's delivering. And again, just give him a bit of leeway that this is a new thing for him that he's figuring out and will get better. So I would say... Uh, be a bit more patient with him, but again, if if you if you hate it, you hate it. You know who am I to tell you differently? Yeah, I mean, you know what you're going to get, and I think the word recalibrate is a, is a great uh, term to use because I think people need to do that. Um, you're not going to get. I can't even say you're not going to get great matches out of Evil. Um, I just think that if you're a person who hates it when great matches. Then at the end, bullshit occurs. You 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 know you might be you might you might get hurt through <laughs> for a little bit watching evil matches. Try and think of the bullshit as one of his signature moves. You know, like you you <laughs> expect Naito to do the uh, Valentia, or you'd expect Okada to do the the drop kick. Just think of the Dick Togo interference or the nut shots as one of his uh, signature moves. Not his finishing move, but one of his moves and. You'll enjoy yourself a lot more. That's my strategy anyway. Uh, Even better advice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so main event here was Sanada in his hometown defeating Tetsuya Naito. So here, actually the second time in this G1 where a faction member has defeated their leader in 27 minutes, 8 seconds with the Moonsault. I'm conflicting on this. I, I really liked... Nearly all of it. I thought. I think Sonata looks great now. The beard, the hair. He's looking like a serious main eventer. And he's cut the paradise look out. The, the bullshit's gone. He did it against Yano. He hasn't done it against anyone else, I think. And here, I thought he, him and Naito put on a really good main event. And I was with it. And I was thinking, yes, this is the Sonata that I want to see. This is the Sonata I can see being a big player in New Japan. But then, in like the last three minutes or so it all kind of fell apart it got really sloppy they were dropping each other and falling over and i was just like oh no oh no what's going on my lovely match it's ruins and so i'm trying to sort of compartmentalize it like reconcile those two things the fact that they put on a really good main event but then it all went to shit at the end and i'm struggling to do that because part of it maybe you can attribute that to storyline naito has had four long grueling main events with tanahashi and Zack and Goto and now Sanada. He's been leaned on heavily in these main events as the big star, the B block with his two titles. And 
in storyline, you would expect, yeah, you know, his knees are going to be hurting a bit. And yeah, he might stumble when he's doing a, a Destino and he might uh, drop Sonata when he's suplexing him or, or whatever. And we know Sonata he can have his sloppy moments as well. So I, I don't know if I should just hand wave that and be like, it was just a little blip on what was otherwise a really good match. Or if I should look at that and think, hmm, this is a problem. And I don't know where I sit on that at the moment, Damon. I think it's fair. Um, I felt, at least in the second half of your um, review, I, I, I saw the sloppiness, and I'm, and I'm right on board with you. I don't know if I was into this match. And, and if we use the how many times that I go to the phone as a reference point, I felt like I went to the phone a lot. I felt like I went to the phone a lot to the point where I was like, I got to put down my fucking phone <laughs> and like, like, like get into this. I had trouble with it. I had trouble getting into this. I had trouble uh, keeping my interest in it. Um, there are, there are points where I'm just, and maybe it was cause I binge watched these shows. I wasn't able to watch them live and I wasn't even even watch them in the morning. So I had to stay spoiler free uh, as best as possible, but um, I did, but it just felt like maybe it was just like, okay, maybe too much wrestling. I don't know. And they just, maybe I need to rewatch. I could not connect with this match at all. Um, Even with the Los Ingobernables faction uh, thing, even with Sonata getting the win over uh, Champ, which... Joel, are we gonna have a Sonata Naito main event somewhere? I don't, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I, I didn't feel it. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. Actually, um, Louis says, as an Lij fan, I was expecting a bit more out of that Sonata versus Naito match. Is it wrong to not have liked that match too much? No, of course, it's not wrong to dislike anything. I mean, you're entitled to your feelings. And also, I'm just checking here. I believe. Uh, John Carroll went low on it as well. John gave it three and three quarters. And John says it's the first time in the G1 they've been below the grapple average on a Naito match. So maybe I'm in the minority in liking it so much. Although the grapple average being sort of, I haven't looked at it, but I guess somewhere near four suggests that people were into this match. So yeah, it, it seems like quite a divisive one. Well, I mean, I think those two guys, when it comes to main events, can be specifically Sonata. I mean, I don't. Is there anybody more polarizing in match quality than him? Maybe, maybe Jay White. Um, yeah, I just couldn't. I could not. I could couldn't sink my teeth into this. Um, and again, to be fair, I'm trying, and I'm not trying to come up with excuses. Um, because I feel like it's their job to get me into this match. Um, I did, you know, I felt like I binge watched and it was at the end of, at the end of a, a, you know, a a little bit of a a tunnel there. Um, I'm, I'm like the moonsault is the one thing I'll take from this match at the end. There's not a lot else that I'm, that I'm even like recollecting, let alone, uh, praising. Right, what, what, about, what about the post-match stuff where 
Sonata turned it off with the fist turned, bump. The minute, oh no, yeah. he did the fist bump to Naito. I thought that was did, a really nice moment because you know Naito's been through you know the heartbreak of evil turning him. I thought that was just a nice little moment that like yeah I've beaten you but you know we're still bros. That was sweet. I saw I saw them turn off the house lights and everybody turn on their fucking lights and I was like all right I'm good good night <laughs> I'm good uh, no I didn't I, the, no I, the, I saw the the dimming of the house lights and the and the uh, oh, I, this was, it would have been before it this would this was immediately after the the bell had gone after the pinfall oh I saw that there, yeah. I, I thought you meant there was something else after that okay no no yeah, just okay. the Sonata offered the fist bump to Naito and Naito accepted it it was just a nice moment like you know two two brothers in the same faction just going out a hammer and tongue see the best man is without there being any betrayal involved alright not like that fucking Ishii god damn he can't take a three count <laughs> everybody, everybody you know he's fucking swinging at everybody after matches like relax you had 20 fucking minutes to put on a match. You got to keep going. Relax. What a selfish prick. So really sick of the motherfucking Ishii. <laughs> uh, okay, Brandy says, so this morning's card, top to bottom, is probably my favorite thus far in the G1. Do you concur? One of the things I loved about it is putting the two intra-faction matches side by side. Really helped to highlight the power struggle within Bullet Club versus the mutual respect of giving it all to your opponent and friend in LIJ. Just a great touch of using card structure to your advantage. Also, upon rewatching. Uh, the watching with my husband, I'm struck by how Zach's quick pin primed me for each near fall in a Tana Hashi versus Yoshihashi match. I fell for so many, but didn't notice until rewatching because they were separated by the break. The craftsmanship of the storytelling is chef's kiss. I agree with you, Brandy. This was one of my favourite shows so far in the G1. Uh, if if the main event had been a bit cleaner in the closing stretch, I would say it is my favourite. It might still be. It's definitely up there, but I just think. The, the quality of all five duo matches and actually the Young Lions match that brilliant 15 minute draw was consistently high and made for a really enjoyable and memorable show for me oh, alright I like Night 7 a little bit better um, Ibushi Cobb Okada Taichi Osprey White um, and even you know the last half of Ishii and, and, and Shingo was you know, all right. I think, like I said, the main event was a little disappointing. Um, so I would, I and I and again, I didn't hate, I didn't hate uh, eight, but <laughs> I didn't hate on eight, but uh, seven, I think, is more my cup of tea. So a couple of questions before we go. Uh, Mark, well, Mark's got two questions for us. One, what in your opinion has changed in Yoshihashi? It's like he's a completely different guy. Two, what does Sanada and Okada need to add to their horrible submissions to make it as good as the new and improved Butterfly Kimura combination lock? I tell you what, um, that money clip, people really don't like that, do they? It really. <laughs> I think it depends on the selling. I think, you know, Okada is, is deliberately uh, executing it in a sloppy way uh, for the first couple of attempts. But then if it's the closing stretch and he locks it on tight, I think it can look good. And I think if his opponent sells it properly, then it's got potential. But it's not, it's not, it's not my favorite submission. No. I mean, do you think that, like, the, the, the average New Japan Pro Wrestling fan is sitting there saying, ah, Okada, he, he's having, he can't get, lock it on. Do you think we overanalyze it a little bit? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, I mean, is, is, are we just making a, a fucking mountain out of a molehill? Um, but it just doesn't connect. I mean, we got to talk about it honestly and it just doesn't connect with us um what was this the second question um uh what's ch- changed for yoshihashi oh um 
It's the never never six man title belt. That's it. That's been giving him the spark that he's needed. I think you put him in in compelling moments, um, and you lean into the fact that he is an underdog, and you lean into the fact that he is Yoshihashi, and you you root for him. Um, I think New Japan's done a, done a, done a pretty fabulous job in giving us reasons to care about him. Here's the thing: I've never said he's a terrible wrestler, and I've never said he's you know can't perform when he gets the fucking tap on the shoulder. He's a bag of socks, and the bag of socks means he's fucking there. He's just there. Um, dull. Give me a reason to fucking give a shit about this guy. New Japan's done a pretty good job of making me give a shit about Yoshihashi. Then add to the fact that he's gotten in the ring and performed at a at a pretty high level uh, for Yoshihashi anyway. Because it, I, here's the thing too: if you're Yoshihashi. What motivation do you have to fucking perform at that high of a level in countless six-man tags? Right? He's got an opportunity. They gave him an opportunity. They gave him a reason for us to care. And go out there and fucking hit a home run. And he's doing it. I totally agree. I think seeing him lose his G1 spot last year maybe gave him a bit of a kick up the ass. And now he's been presented with this opportunity. Okay, you're back in. Show us that you deserve to be there. And he's taken that. So fair play to him and the company as well. Uh, last question then. Liam says, favorite G1 match thus far? Uh, I think I know what you're going to say, Damon. Yeah, I think uh, it's hands down. Uh, Will and Shingo. I love that match. Watched it again. Um, and I don't have time to fucking rewatch shit. Um, I rewatched that. Thoroughly enjoyed it again. So uh, that's my number one so far. Uh, then, uh, you know what? There's you know, any any one of those two Tanahashi matches I really enjoyed as well. Um, the Yoshihashi one I thought was really was really great. Um, I would put that on a short list as well. I think in terms of pure enjoyment, Zack versus Evil might be my favorite. Not as epic as Naito versus Tanahashi, but it's the the dynamics of it and the surprise finish really. It was really enjoyable for me. I was like jumping up out of my sofa, like, yeah, go on, Zach, you did it. So yeah, that might be my favorite, actually. Yeah. Okay. That's not that's not a bad pick. I would be in my short list. I'm gonna be truthful too, and I know you're gonna be like, oh Jesus Christ. Uh, uh Will and Jay, I'm putting on there, my man. I'm sorry, like that's big it's in like top five. I I really liked that match a lot. I really did. Alright, uh so that's that. Um that's that. One more, or are we good? No, we're good. I'm oh, sorry. I know I've, we've got so, I've got so many questions. I've got a huge list now of people who've asked us questions that are not directly related to the G1, but I I don't have the time to answer them all. So I am prioritizing questions that are directly related to the G1. I'm, I am I, I'm adding all the other questions to the list. And we've got a huge backlog, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually. But I just I cannot give more than two hours to this, unfortunately, because I got I got my family, and I feel it's unfair on my wife for me to just ditch her and leave Esther with her and and I want to spend time with them as well so again I'm sorry but that's all the questions for today so I'm going to wrap it up and direct you to uh, my bookie using the code SuperJ to do some betting win some big money and get some freebies by using that code SuperJ redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast for our page if you want to give us some money that would be much appreciated discord link is in the show notes there's always good fun watching the shows live and being in the chat in the uh, spoiler zone 
I love it. I've always got it on in the background when I'm watching the show. It's always good to chat with people there. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast if you want to get one of our excellent t-shirts. And thanks, as always, to Editor Dan. You can find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. And the hit new single from yeah. Escape the Box, Spare a Thought, which is now doing the rounds on none other than Kerrang. They've got a, a yes. on their hands, Damon. Yeah, heavy rotation, from what I understand. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we all know Kerrang. Uh, uh, it, uh, we, Dan will, will hit us up and let us know that the success of Escape the Box, and uh, if you haven't done so already, Spotify, all your streaming services, um, give them a listen. I mean, this is they're, they're sounding great. They're sounding tighter. Um, new stuff coming out all the time. The videos that they shoot, holy shit. I mean, I'm like, well, this is a fucking movie you guys created. Um, I mean, this is a legit thing. Uh, you're, you're missing out. Get in on Escape the Box. Uh, support Dan. Uh, and and you know, listen, if you have access to Kerrang, I'm sure online you can listen or um, wherever you uh, do. Uh, keep an ear out for Escape the Box. Big things for Editor Dan. Yeah, definitely check out on YouTube the new single, Spare a Thought. Uh, excellent stuff. You, you guarantee it's worth your time there. And uh, maybe Editor Dan might want to mix in uh, the song and the outro. Who knows? I'll, I'll have a word with him afterwards. Uh, subscribe to Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for the great shows. Loads of G1 content going up on the regular there. Give us a five-state review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the Super J-Cast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.